Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to another new Redemption Press author, Jeannie Stewart, and her new book, In the Shadow of My Inheritance. What a conversation we had. You're going to love this. So let me give her a proper introduction. Jeannie Stewart loves the Lord Jesus Christ and serves him in whatever capacity he deems fit. With a 50-year career in education, she is passionate about the younger generation and has invested in them both as a teacher and as an administrator. She's also a gifted speaker and enjoys taking the podium at education and women's conferences. Jeannie earned a degree in language arts from the University of Rio Grande in Ohio and an M.Ed. in Educational Administration from Bob Jones University, where she also taught. She resides in Ohio and finds joy in writing, gardening, reading, traveling with friends, art, and music. So let's roll that conversation. Well, Jeannie, it is uh, wonderful to have you join me today on the podcast. So welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Yes. Well, I want to, before we jump into your book, I would like for our listeners to just get a little better acquainted with you and how God shows his Romans 8.28 character in your life. We all have lots of those Romans 8.28 stories of him working all things together for good. But I would just love for you to share with our audience um, just the one that you feel like would uh, be a good start to our time together today. All right. I'm so glad you're asking for that because 2022 was a fantastic year for me but it wasn't always the best in my view. Uh, I retired uh, from teaching at a particular school in North Carolina in June of uh, 2021 and knew that the Lord was stirring in my heart to make a move back to my home state where my family and circle of friends are. And it wasn't a 10 hour drive. I uh, began looking online for house possibilities and Every other time that I had purchased a house or had a house to rent, I went as soon as I walked in the door, I knew it was exactly where the Lord wanted me to be. And I was assured of that. So I was looking for houses and the Lord opened up the door of opportunity for me to house sit for my cousins in Xenia, Ohio, while they went to Florida for the winter. And so I just knew that in three or four months, I would have a house. And but the market in 2022 was very hot. And so that was good. That was a blessing for selling the house, but for buying one was not so easy, but I still was sure the Lord was going to give me a house. Well, I looked and looked and looked and my cousins came home and I was still in their house, but fortunately we're very compatible. We enjoy each other's company. And so they said, stay on, don't worry about it. We'll find a house together. And I found one and I was sure it was the one for me. And I went to 
with my realtor to visit it, to look at it. And when I walked through the front door, I, it was the same feeling I'd had in all the previous houses. And I was sure this is the one. And I told him so that God had provided this house. And, and uh, my cousin said, this is perfect for you. And so we made an offer and I went home telling everybody, I found the house. I found the house. He called me on Monday morning and he said, hi, Jeannie, this is Scott. And I said, oh, good. And he said, I have to tell you, you didn't get the house. And I was crushed. Mm. Um, I thanked him abundantly. I hung up the phone and then I burst into tears. And I asked, why, God? I know. I know this was the house. And so I still hung on to the idea because several people said to me, well, it's still 30 days on the contract. It's not over yet. And everyone had that same phrase. It's not over yet. And I thought, Lord, are you just having me wait? It's not over yet. Well, 30 days came to pass and it was over for sure. I felt a little betrayed. And so therefore I took everything into my own hands and I found the next perfect house. I made an offer. It was rejected. Another and another. And finally, I just gave up. I despaired. Then there came two houses on the market in a little town called Greenfield, Ohio. It was 14 miles from my new church home. And I didn't know a thing about Greenfield, but I said, okay, I'll look at them. They're okay, but I don't know where I'm going. So I called my realtor. He said, well, the first house is already on contract. So he said, we can only look at the second when we're going 10 at 1030 tomorrow. I said, okay, be there. We walked into a 1901 farmhouse perfectly remodeled inside. We looked through the entire house. We looked around. We looked in the crawl space. We looked everywhere and we could not find a single thing wrong with the house. I made an offer below asking price at 11 o'clock that morning. And by six o'clock that evening, I was under contract to the perfect house that God had ordained for me and chosen for me in spite of my rebellion against him. He mm. took that, which to me seemed at the time not to be a good thing, actually to be a betrayal. And he turned it into the perfect place for me to be and the perfect set of neighbors to be courteous to and get to know and perhaps have the privilege of leading them to the Lord. I'm so grateful. I love that. I mean, you know, we think we know what God is saying sometimes and we're just so sure of it. And we're like dead wrong. And I was. <laughs> I've been there. I have been there. And I think everyone who is listening to us today has been there where we just you know, we're just so sure that God is doing something and he's probably just kind of chuckling and going, well, that's okay. This will be a good learning experience. <laughs> right. Oh. And just wait, Jeannie, I've got it for you, but I was having a hard time waiting. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to jump right into your new book, In the Shadow of My Inheritance, An Encouragement to Live Christ-like. So I guess my first question for you is why did you choose the symbol of shadow and what does it mean in this context? I really got the inspiration from two things. One was Shirley Temple. In her old movie, she would do the little song, I have a little shadow that goes in and out with me. And I always thought that was so cute. And then when I was little, I was an only child and I didn't have any neighbors close to me that were children I could play with. 
So I had to create my own playmates and I discovered my shadow. And we had a turnaround at the end of our farm's road and I would chase my shadow all over that little turnaround. One day, however, a monster of a shadow overtook mine and I looked up to see it was my dad. My dad was six foot three and he cast a giant shadow. But once I knew it was not a monster and it was my dad, I delighted in running around after his shadow. When I started thinking about um, my parents and my grandparents and what, how they had impacted my life, I realized that the light of Jesus Christ had shone upon them and through that had cast a shadow on me. And I wanted so to follow that shadow and to delight in it. One shadow that was really very important to me is my grandmother, my mother's mother. I never knew her. She died of tuber tuberculosis when my mother was 10. So all I have of her were faded photographs and the memories of a 10-year-old child to relate to me. And uh, so that cast a shadow of the real person that she was. And therefore, I thought the shadow was really a befitting metaphor for this book. Mm, love that. So in your book, you state that we have failed to do our job in providing a consistent example of Christ before our children. How have you seen that in society today? And what do you think is the reason for this failure? Well, Athena, I just quit after 50 years of teaching. Now, I haven't stopped teaching, but formally, um, I have been dedicated to teaching for 50 years. And so my community are parents and colleagues and students and then friends and family in that community. And what I have seen over the last 50 years is that fundamentally the needs of young people have not changed. Fundamentally, basically, they still need to know that someone loves them. They still need to know that someone loves them enough to say no and provide protection and boundaries for them. And they still need someone who loves them enough to challenge them to use the things that God has given them to the very best of their ability in keeping with Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Um, so what I have seen that has changed is the cultural things, of course. They, they're dealing with things culturally that I never had to deal with, although I grew up in the 60s and that culture wasn't healthy either. Um, but what I have seen change in them is not the students as much as I have seen the direction of parents and adults before the students. Um, by the parents' actions and beliefs, their philosophies, they have entitled their children, they have empowered them to be self-focused, they have blurred what is a work ethic, they have blurred the idea of authority, they have blurred the idea of respect. And I can't really place all of that in the hands of the parents. I place all of it in all of adults because we just have not consistently lived out before them what we should. Um, so it is our responsibility, every single one of us who claim the name of Jesus Christ as our savior, to walk like him mm -hmm. and to be truthful and genuine in our walk with him so that they see that really Christ lives in us and he's that important to us. 
And that's what I've seen be the difference over these 50 years. Amen. So you were blessed to be born into a Christian heritage, including your parents and both sets of grandparents. Wow. What hope is there for those who don't have the benefit those Christ-like models provide? And I'm one of those. Well, praise the Lord. I did have a wonderful family and I did have a wonderful heritage. But you know, the only hope that any of us have is in Jesus Christ and God the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the hope that we have. I've talked with several people, for instance, usually ladies that I have been in ladies conferences with, and they've told me uh, I have difficulty with I had difficulty with my father. My father was an abusive father. Um, the only hope that we have for people that have had that kind of situation in their lives is our heavenly father. Mm -hmm. Our heavenly father came looking. He came looking for me. I didn't go looking for him. And he desires to be my heavenly father. And he he has the full authority, the full responsibility to care for me. And so if I don't have those parents that live that out before me and I don't have grandparents that have that heritage, I have thy heavenly father. Not only that, but I have joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a part of the family of God and he guides and directs me according to his word and his will for me. And it's he, Jeremiah 29, 11 says that I know the plans I have for you. He does not desire to harm us. He gives us hope. He gives us a future. And so whenever we don't have that family heritage, we have a godly heritage mm -hmm. that we can grasp onto and through his word grow in that family. And Amen. he becomes our father and our direction and our guide. Mm. Amen. So all is not lost if you don't have that kind of family nurturing um, that's rooted in Christ. And I, I have seen that myself. That is that you're making a true statement there that uh, we still have that father and God that will make up for what we didn't get have growing up. Exactly. So, so when did you decide Jesus Christ was your God, not just the God of your parents? And what role did your family play in your spiritual development? You know, I have difficulty really putting a time frame to that. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was three months short of being four years old. And I had no problem at that time accepting Jesus into my heart. It was easy. I came in with nothing. I came in childlike faith. Um, and my parents were thrilled. My mother sat down with me, explained everything that had happened. But then it was like they just assumed that discipleship would follow. That's the way things went back in that day. Um, it was when I became a teenager uh, that we moved from the farm into the city of Gallup, Ohio. And my parents decided that I could go to First Baptist Church with my neighbors because they had youth activities and the country church my parents attended did not. So they went to their country church. I went to First Baptist Church. And there I learned about a Christian camp. I'd never been to a Christian camp as a teenager. I still didn't see, my parents didn't see the need to go to one, but I learned about there are places that they really desire to teach you about God and his mm -hmm. word. So I learned there about Christian education. I didn't know about that either. So whenever I 
was in my early 20s, I went to a Christian camp as a sponsor for our teenagers. And it was there during a message about service to God and referencing David Livingston's Lord send me anywhere only go with me that I surrendered and dedicated my life to the Lord. I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, my parents were not actively involved in that part. It was the, the Wilds Christian camp that really did that for me. As a matter of fact, dad believed that works were necessary to maintain your salvation. I believed that security of the believer. And so we would discuss back and forth about that and we agreed to disagree about it. So he was going through that while I was going through my teenage years. Praise the Lord. When I was in my mid twenties, dad came home one day, he had been listening to a message on the radio and he said, I understand now. I understand it's salvation by the grace of Jesus Christ only. And so that was a great change for him, but, and it impacted me as well because he came to that understanding. Uh, but it was only through Christian education and my master's degree at a Christian university and then starting to teach in Christian school that I really uh, understood uh, what it was to be in in God's service and surrender to him. Mm, I love that. So what inspired you to write the book and what do you hope readers will take away? I'm so glad you asked that question because it gives me an opportunity to share my grandfather's testimony, which was the inspiration for this book and stirred it up in the idea in me better than 20 years ago. Um, it was the depression. It was July 10th, 1934, the hottest day on record. And my grandmother was dying of tuberculosis. The family had gathered um, on mostly on the front porch to be there of a comfort to them. And my mother was given the care of her two year old brother and she was carrying him, her, him around on her hip and trying to answer his questions. And she, she took him to the backyard to the cherry trees to try to satisfy him for a little while. As she turned the corner of the house, um, she saw that the milk cow was down on its side. And so she ran to get my grandfather and he came in, in time to find that the cow had, uh, had died. And that was their sustenance for the fall, uh, milk and butter for the fall. And so he turned around and went back into the house. There was nothing else that he could do at that particular moment. It was later in the afternoon that my great uncle was bound the summer porch at the back of the house and he looked at the pen and the hog was down. And so he ran for my grandfather. My grandfather came and found that the hog was smothering in that heat. And so he retrieved his rifle and he put the hog out of its misery. That was to be the meat sustenance for them in the fall and the winter and the depression years. Shortly thereafter, the doctor came and pronounced my grandmother deceased. On that particular day, the Parcell family lost all their sustenance for, for their family. They lost the cow, they lost the hog, and they lost, lost my grandmother. My grandfather and my mother were standing on the back summer porch steps, watching them uh, load the hog and the cow on the back of a truck. And my grandfather in my mother's memory laid his arm across her shoulder, looked at what was being loaded and said, the Lord giveth and the mm. Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
My mother's 10-year-old mind remembered that, and it sustained her through the losses of her life, the loss of her husband, the loss of her daughter, the loss of her parents. And it sustained me, that same shadow, that same memory has sustained me through the losses in my life. I only have to wonder if we were in the same position today, could we look at it and say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away? Wow. Whew. <laughs> That's a very emotional memory. And what a solid a truth to build the rest of your life on and to to hold that and to cherish that 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 is the truth and where people get bitter when they lose um whatever losses we go through it's you can get bitter or you can praise god and thank him for just the way that he loves you and wow i love that story, it's such a reminder for us to remember that he's sovereign. Mm -hmm. And just because things don't go the way we hope they will doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, this has been delightful. And I wish we had another half an hour, but we don't. <laughs> so, um, Jeannie, if we have someone listening today and they would like to reach out to you on social media or online or whatever, what is the best way for them to do that? They can do it through Facebook. Um, my streaming name is Jeannie Stewart on Facebook, or they can connect with me through LinkedIn. And it's Jeannie parentheses, Brenda J parentheses, Stewart on LinkedIn. Um, but I'm available at both of those places. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, I mean, you have so many rich faith-filled stories. I bet we could sit over a cup of coffee or tea for hours and it, I would never be bored. It's just, um, I love those stories of vibrant faith and how it affects us and how important it is to tell those stories. Right. It is, I believe it is God's message um, for today um, that we, we really must take the responsibility to live out Christ in our daily lives because we are an influence, whether we recognize it or not. We are teachers, whether we recognize it or not, and that we are being watched Yep. and we are being followed and we're leaving shadows and we're leaving an inheritance and we've got to make sure that those shadows and those inheritance legacies are what God wants for those that we influence. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon. It has been a delight. It has been a delight to be with you as well. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. 
So thanks again for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.